My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today we have Coach Jackie Ross on the podcast. Coach Jackie is a certified career coach, a human resources director, professional speaker, and author. She considers herself a career therapist and has worked in the mental health field and in human resources for the past 25 plus years. Coach Jackie has her own private coaching business where she works with professionals who are developing their leadership skills or are in a career life transition. Her mission is to support leaders, ignite confidence, gain career clarity, and unleash their professional voice through coaching. Coach Jackie is a strategist by nature, an optimistic futurist, is open to all possibilities, and a true believer in our interconnectedness as humans. Coach Jackie is a student of humanity. She believes wholeheartedly that we are here to uncover and find our purpose, and Jackie's purpose is to help others find theirs, like she did for me. Coach Jackie is the author of Manage Up, the ultimate guide to managing your manager. Manage Up provides you instruction on how to tap into you and your boss's strengths and talents, the power of building mentoring relationships, and the impact of networking. I am so excited for you to get to know and learn from Jackie Ross. Let's get right to it. All right. Um, Well, I'm really, I'm so happy to have you here because, I mean, personally, you've had such an influence in my personal and professional life. So you got me going on my journey away from something that was not serving me and towards where I wanted to ultimately end up. So I personally am happy to have you here and I'm really excited for everybody else to hear what you do, um, how you talk about really tough things. And I also want them to know what you do for people so that if anybody's listening, they can reach out to you because I can, it's just been so pivotal for me. Um, And the reason why I really wanted to have you on the podcast is because I started to notice a common thread among listeners is that the, I thought that the more technical episodes that deal with like a how to episode on any aspect of education would actually be the episodes that had more listeners. And what I'm finding is that the episodes that we don't, that deal with or tackle things we never hear about in education are actually the ones that are getting the most attention. And I started to pay attention to that. And I realized that's because essentially we're in a bubble in education and we don't really 
ever talk about things or, or let anything penetrate that. And I think this is a way for that to happen. So for here, you and I have talked about this before, um, about school principals, because you met me when I was exiting that role Mm -hmm. and they're considered to have an impact on students only second to teachers. And a recent study conducted by the National Association of Secondary School Principals revealed that almost half of them are considering leaving their roles due to the stress associated with it and a lack of decision-making ability. So I know that these are areas that you absolutely specialize in and you've actually helped me through this. You helped me transition in my transition out, but I'd already made that decision for myself. I'm hoping to help people manage within and while they're still there and, and stay in the role if they can. Um, but when you hear that statistic about 50% of school principals wanting to leave the role due to stress and lack of decision-making ability, what are you, what's your initial reaction to that? Wow. Well, it's staggering. And first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I <laughs> adore you. I think you are amazing. So um, I think that everyone's benefiting for, for the, um, from the information you're putting out. But I guess I'm curious um, if that statistic has grown since COVID. Um, I would imagine that not only in the educational world, all other industries, everyone's kind of asking themselves this question, you know, how do I want to live? Um, And what kind of um, work life do I want to have? And, And COVID has really helped us take some time to really reflect on that question. Um, so I, I'm curious if that's increased since COVID. Um, and if it hasn't, and it's just been that way, um, I, I guess it's not as surprising because uh, there's so many pressures uh, that are placed upon administrators. And, you know, if you are in a scenario where you don't really have a place to go and you don't have those supports in place and all those other, you know, um, resources are, are necessarily or unavailable to you. I could imagine that that would put you in a scenario that, um, that you'd really be questioning what you want to do. And, um, you know, I keep on reminding myself that COVID has really had a major impact, especially, you know, I mean, for everybody, but especially in the educational, in the healthcare realm, in the behavioral health realm, in all these industries. And I can't minimize the number of clients that I've encountered over the last year and a half that have been on this reflection journey, you know, just asking, you know, am I where I want to be? Um, so it's not surprising to me. Yeah, I think, um, I forgot, I, I forgot too that not forgot, but I mean, I definitely knew, but I don't know that I realized the impact that the, that COVID's had on Mm. really everything and almost every aspect of what we do until the summer when, um, all of a sudden we were dealing with the Delta variant and we had to put masks back on Mm -hmm. or we were confronted with that, right? Especially in schools and inside how that felt to me. And yeah, the masks are uncomfortable. So that's part of it, but Mm -hmm. it had way more to do with this, like what it represented and symbolized. I've talked a lot about that 
I think on this podcast over the last month or so and how I had to learn how to re like kind of change how I was thinking about it um, to, in order to not drive myself crazy uh, mm-hmm. and think about, okay, so if this is going to be the reality, what, what does a good day look like in this new reality that we, I wasn't expecting. I thought we were just going to go back to school and it was going to look the way it used to look. And all of a sudden we were throwing this curveball. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's when I realized not the only time, but a major time I realized that, wow, this really is actually having, cause I don't really get impacted by that kind of stuff. And I was really struggling to cope with the year, not looking how I expected it to look like going back to something versus mm-hmm. what I thought looked like moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I always say, and I I've said to you before, um, I decided to leave the role of principal in October of 2019. And I announced it in this, in January of 2020, <laughs> January 3rd. Mm-hmm. And without ever knowing COVID would ever be a thing. And mm-hmm. I always have the best timing because if I were a principal during this time, any kind of building administrator, mm-hmm. I, I would be losing my mind. Mm-hmm. I would be, uh, because uh, it, it was already stressful <laughs> to the point where I was ready to walk away and I did walk away. And I just, I look at my principal all the time and say, I am just really happy. I'm not you mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy on me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, so let's jump into, I have a few like really specific questions for you, just knowing yeah. again, what you've helped me through and then also what you, um, you do for others. So, and also with, you know, the book that you've written on management, I think it's just so relevant and so needed to be able to, to learn about this and talk about it. So one question I have for you is if teachers or administrators are in a state of overwhelm, and I can say that last week on day two of having students, so like last Tuesday was our second day with students, I actually encountered teachers who weren't just like, I was tired. They were overwhelmed, deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do. I am completely overwhelmed. So if teachers or administrators are in that state, how can they take a step back and identify the causes of overwhelm? So it's a great question. I, I think that one, one, I think in any scenario, you have to like acknowledge that that's where you are and um, figure out how you can create some kind of distance. And distance doesn't necessarily mean that you're so far removed, but what does distance mean? Is it a a physical distance and whether it's, um, you know, kind of, you know, closing off on, on, on phone and kind of, you know, um, minimizing those types of distractions or that, that type of uh, stimulation, it might be an emotional distance. Um, and so I would just ask folks, what are the things that you do to kind of recharge, reconnect, um, you know, are you taking care of your, your body? Are you moving your body? Are you doing things that, um, you know, things like meditation, yoga, um, whatever it does, listen to music, uh, you know, what it is, what is it that you do to take care of yourself, to get yourself back to center? And, I think that's the key. It's really hard when you're already at that point of complete overwhelmment. Like, yeah. how do you kind of rein it back? I would 
pose the question to what things are you putting in place to really help be more proactive around those areas? Um, and being patient with ourselves. You know, I think we have this expectation to do far more um, than, you know, really what we might be able to do in the moment. So um, I think it's acknowledging it. I think it's creating some distance. It's looking at, you know, your support systems. Who do you have in place, you know, personally and professionally to, to check in with um, and kind of uh, run things by and kind of get a, a perspective? Um, you know, we have these resiliency factors, these things that really kind of help us kind of like bounce back, right? And so um, what are those things that we need? Um, and that are important to us in the job. Like I know for me, sometimes like I need humor, right? Like sometimes yeah. I just have to laugh at myself and just kind of say like, okay, you were being kind of ridiculous. Get a little bit of perspective, you know, listen, you know, sometimes just listening to music puts me in a different headspace. So I would encourage folks to be thinking about what are the things that they need like what sources of resiliency do you need? Do you need a perspective? Do you need like a sounding board? Do you need a venting person? Do you need someone to kind of like put you in check? Um, you know, there's all these different variables and things that, that you call upon, um, that work for you. And those are things that I encourage people to do is really figure out what works for you um, and have those things available and ready um, just like you do with students. You know, you want them to be, you know, ready and available to have the tools to have them be as attentive as possible, to be as focused, to be as engaged. You know, we need to do that as professionals too. So sometimes it might be a little like squishy ball, you know, or it might be some other gadget, um, you know, or sensory item to kind of get you focused and help and help you in the moment. Yeah, I mean, just hearing you say that brings up a few things for me. I was going to ask you a question, and then I thought maybe it might be better if I just ask the question and talk through the fact that, like, I wouldn't have known how to answer this. Is and that it's what if you don't. Well, I think a, and you know this because you are a caregiver, like you're in your, in your primary role, right? Like you are taking care of other people or helping people take care of other people. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like you have tools that you use when you're just in that state. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, as teachers, people in the education space, especially if we're in a, a school building and we ha we have, we're directly responsible for the safety and well-being and learning of kids, teachers, staff. Um, I think sometimes we don't even, it's not that we think we don't deserve it. We, we think we don't, I think we just overlook it. Like mm. there's not even like we, we wouldn't even have a plan in place for ourselves because why would we, we're not allowed that, but I, it's hard to put that in a way that doesn't sound like poor me. It's not the victim. It's just the mindset of go, go, go. This is what we do. We have to be good for everybody else who may not be good. And I think that might have, that I think that prevented me. I had no clue that you could get or that I could become overwhelmed in a job where I couldn't just take a step back for a second 
and then mm-hmm. go, you know, 160 miles an hour again, mm-hmm. um, or a quick pivot, you know, and then get back into it. I had no idea until it really actually happened. Um, and then it took me a very long time to realize it kind of exactly what you were saying. But I think the, the thing that sticks out for me is the creating distance. So I acknowledged it after a while. I said, Oh, okay, something's not right. It's not, this isn't the normal mm-hmm. stress, right. That I've been able to deal with throughout my life by exercising, running, taking a bath. Like this is more than that. And that creating distance piece, I couldn't, it, I had a hard time wrapping my head around that, which now say five, six, seven years after that was first brought to my attention, it makes complete sense to me. But at the time I had never thought about, um, like you said, physical, creating physical distance. So like you held up your phone. So for anybody, you know, who, if we don't play this clip and video, like Jackie held up her phone and she said, you know, shut this off. Or what, what I did, the advice I was given was to literally disable the, the, um, email app, but just the one from school. Cause that's what was triggering for me. So if yep. like a friend reached out to me or it was like some kind of like Facebook wasn't triggering, it triggers me now, but it wasn't triggering me back then. Um, but when, and I didn't have any sound, like, so turn your sounds off, turn the vibrations off, all that stuff. But that, I had already done that years before, what was happening, it was almost like a habit. I was constantly, I was checking my email or sometimes it, innocently enough, I'd go to send an email like to like one of my colleagues who was expecting something from me. And it might be a little bit later at night, say eight o'clock. And I'd open my computer, my email on my phone. And there it was like red letters, urgent action required. Like, and then what you read it as is like, you are going to be fired tomorrow if this is not in by 8 a.m. And it's like, please give me the list you've given me 65 times already, but change this, do this. And I need it by eight o'clock. Those were so triggering to me and I didn't know what to do. And somebody said, disable your mail app. And I did that. I disabled it when I, at like five o'clock, I could only get away with it for maybe a couple of weeks before things just piled up and I had to turn it back on. But those two weeks of a break were really helpful. So when you just said create distance, mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but literally I actually, um, disabled that I disabled that feature on my phone mm-hmm. and I would enable it again in the morning so that when I got to school, mm-hmm. I could use it all day, but I actually had to disable it for myself. I think it's great. I think that, you know, I've been hearing the phrase, like folks have been wearing this like badge of honor, like, right. you know, being available, being accessible, like round the clock is some, is some, you know, uh, token of your, or indicator of your commitment, your dedication, your, right. your fortitude. And it's nonsense because it's taxing us. It's, it's breaking yes. us. And so, you know, we have this concept around professional boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And boundaries also include the boundaries that we create and, and set between our working world and our professional world. Mm -hmm. And it's not always black and white. There's a lot of gray in there. There's probably more gray than there are kind of rigid lines. Um, But we have a responsibility to ourselves. And when you were speaking about, you know, being a caretaker and being the ones who are, you know, providing the services and being the ones who have to be um, kind of, you know, stable and grounded you know, that oxygen mask analogy that we talk about, you know, that's what always kind of, you know, I get reminded of is that 
I can't be available to others if I do not have the oxygen, the breath in me, the, the, you know, capacity in me to give to others. And, and it is not necessarily being a maverick or, you know, being a, a I'm sorry, not a maverick, a martyr, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, However, I've seen so many people in the helping profession take on this, you know, completely do for others. And you, you know, I always describe it as like, you know, we walk in as this full juicy peach, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. all the juice gets sucked. We get the life gets sucked out of us during the day. And if we go home and we're this like pit, like this prune, A, we're going to go home to our loved ones with nothing to give, right? So we're going to create some, you know, uh, problems at at the home front, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's with our, you know, our family members, our partners, our spouses, our children. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, it's with ourselves. And so, you know, if you think about what the pandemic is now, everyone's identifying that we are like, it's not being called although we're still amongst COVID, it's a mental health pandemic that's happening. And it's really shifting the way that um, employees in the workforce are are actually speaking to the issues that they're encountering and Mm -hmm. bringing those things uh, to the workplace. So, you know, I don't have the secret sauce or the recipe for every person. What I would say is, that everyone has a responsibility to themselves and a responsibility to know what are the things that sustain me? You know, like I love improv, right? Like if I listen to um, (laughs) whose line is it anyway, I'm on the, like, I love that. There's just something about it. And I could be having a real crummy day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some bad interaction or whatnot. And I'm watching that and it shifts me. And so, you know, what I think about as a coach and I encourage people to be mindful of is what are the things that energize you? What excites you? What fills you? What gives you those feelings? And make sure you, you find ways to inject them into your life every single day so that it doesn't mean that it's going to eradicate the stress and being overwhelmed but it's going to better prepare you. Now in a classroom, you might not be able to flip on, you know, whose line is it anyway series, but what are the things that you can do and bring? It may be breathing exercises. It may be things that you do with your body, right? Cause sometimes if you kind of like ground your body, like physiologically, um, it has an impact on your thoughts and your feelings, you know? Yep. So those are things I would encourage folks to do. It's about what are the proactive measures that you can do to be in a better mental place? And what are the things that you can do in the moment? Yeah. Um, you know, that you can do. And sometimes it might just be, you know, some stopping, you know, and just breathing and just mm-hmm. listening and taking, you know, a few moments. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, I think about myself and like, I'm the worst at this, uh, except that I want everybody else to do it so they can feel better. And then, um, you know, somebody put it to me in the, in the same time when I was kind of, I guess I acknowledged something wasn't right. And all of a sudden the deluge of, okay, create space. Like what to my email, what to the, 
put, take the email off my phone, don't check it. What are you talking about? Or take a meditation walk. I'm looking at leaves. Like, why is that? I, I run, but I can't run because I, I am not a shape now, but like a meditation walk. What are you talking about? So all these things started to be, I guess, presented as resources that were completely foreign to me. And I was mm. like, that will never work. But, um, one thing that made sense to me was when I was asked, what, because I, what does bring you joy? Like what, mm. what are you happy in your role? And I said, I'm happy when I'm around kids. And I was happy when I was teaching teachers. Those were the two things that brought me joy. It made me feel like I was helping doing, and it made me feel like useful. Um, and you know, the recommendation was intentionally put 10 to 15 minutes of that in, in your day every day. And I was Perfect. like, and that's, and it helped so much. Um, just, I, I would do a classroom walkthroughs because those never stressed me out. I loved seeing teachers and kids interact. And so if I was having a, a rough, t a rough day, or I was just done, I, or I was feeling so overwhelmed and didn't really know why I would remind, I have to tell myself, remind myself, it wasn't just something I automatically did, but I'd remind myself to, why don't you go walk through a few classrooms? You know, that even if you don't believe you're going to feel better, you know, in your, you know, you're going to feel better. And I would tell myself that, like, just remember, you're going to feel better when you come out, even though right now you feel like there's no way you can feel better. You have to tell yourself that 100% of the time when you've walked through classrooms and seeing kids and teachers interacting, you have felt better when you were done with that, even if it was for 10 or 15 minutes. That's it. That's, that's it. That's perfect. Yeah. I um, love that. And I like the, you know, it made me think of something, um, what you're talking about is actually adding into your day versus taking away. I think sometimes for me and meditation does work for me in some instances, but when I am at a place where I'm beyond the thought, like, I, I laugh sometimes when somebody's like, Oh, go take a, go take a hot bath. I'm like, if that would work, I would, I would, I would, wouldn't be in this position, but in this space that I'm in right now, like when I'm beyond the point of like, a nice mm -hmm. smelling candle or a nice warm bath, um, uh, meditation. I feel like adding something in versus taking something out of my day is great. So adding in the things that actually mm. just make me happy and being around kids was that, was that for me? Um, That's perfect. And I just learned it. I learned it kind of late, but that was uh, really helpful. And I think the last thing I just wanted to, that you said, cause you said so much there is the, um, the piece about remembering that we're resilient. Mm. So I remember, that, I don't know if it's just me or I'm, I'm sure there are other people that have felt this way because I've got friends that have gone through similar things after I did. And I can't, I can't solve it for them. I can't take it away. But I can say, hey, I see where you're at. I've been there. And all I can tell you is I promise you it's going to get better but I don't think you can feel that right now. Like you don't mm -hmm. believe it, but I just promise you because I can't tell you how many times I didn't think it was going to get better. But when you talked about resilient, that remember that we're resilient, I think that's so helpful. And I wish I, I started to do that, but never thought about that word resilient, but that's really what it is. When we're in a place of, it's almost like a danger zone, right? Or like bordering on the danger zone. Mm -hmm. It does get better. It gets better. We're resilient. We, we, we come back, we bounce back. Maybe it's not the next day. Maybe it's not after the hot bath because that wasn't what we needed at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but we do bounce back and we do find that happiness and that peace and that joy. And it can be in the same role. But sometimes I think we don't realize that we can. 
And because nobody ever tells us that, that it, it can get better. Mm-hmm. And so like that stood out to me too, that I think it's important to remind ourselves that we as humans are resilient and we can bounce back. We do bounce back. And even when we don't feel like it, it's ever going to be possible to do that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. That those were, those are really helpful. Um, and I can say that, I mean, that's actually literally like, that was my process. It was before I met you, but that was, that was my process too. Um, this, I'm also, uh, so the next couple of questions I have for you that are things I want to talk about, have to do with your, the book that you wrote, mm-hmm. um, manage up. And I, I don't want to misrepresent it. So I might, can you give me like a, a, like, give us a couple sentences of an overview? Cause I'll, I'll also link it in the episode notes, but yeah. manage up. Like what, what is that? What is that book about? Cause then I'm going to ask you a couple of specific questions specific to education um, that I have that I think a lot of people would, would have about managing up. Sure. So one of the things that came up um, and still comes up pretty regularly, uh, mm-hmm. folks talk about their relationship with their managers. And we know that our managers play a key role in our work life, um, our work experience. And mm-hmm. I was encountering a lot of folks that were really wrestling with the relationships that they had. And so I would help, we would talk about strategies and it was these really, these strategies about how do you manage up? How do you manage your boss, your other stakeholders? Um, and so really the book it talks about how do you influence and really intentionally um, shift that relationship. Now you may have a good relationship and you may find ways to make it better, or you might have kind of a crummy relationship or maybe Mm -hmm. no, a distant relationship. And so it's really about strategies about how to build that. So it talks about building that relationship. Um, and then in addition, it's also about building your, you know, kind of what I call your networking communities, your networking connections, kind of your people wheel, like who beyond your boss do you have? Because your boss is one um, kind of support that you have that you want to harness and maximize. Uh, but you also want to make and build connections with other stakeholders, other people that will help support you professionally. So that's really what the book is about. And if you're able, if you're able to develop that skill, um, that will really help in terms of how satisfied you feel in your job. Now it does not talk about abuses in no, rela- like it's right. not about harassment or discrimination no, right. or any of those things. We're talking about, you know, relationships that do not kind of meet that threshold. Right. So this is why, I mean, this is actually why I, I sought you out because mm-hmm. I, it, my manager isn't why I left my role as principal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was, it's way too many things to even t- to count. It was really so I could get back to what I absolutely love, which is working with kids and working with teachers. Um, and so I'm, you know, able to craft that without all the other stuff that comes with it and takes you away from that. But I do know that, and I, I can't speak to other professions because I, ju- I just don't know. And I'm sure this does exist in other places. The thought of a teacher saying to a 
their, their principal that something's a, even something's wrong, right. Or, or I need something or I have a need. So the thought of speaking up is, can be terrifying mm-hmm. or it can be real easy. I've found very little in between and unfortunately a lot more of it, I think is towards terrifying. And then especially for school principals where they're really, there's zero protection. Um, and we're, you know, reminded depending on where we are pretty often that we're essentially day to day employees. Like it's, it's not that hard to, to break that relationship. So my question is over the course of the past year, countless administrators have reached out to me in, in private. So like people I would never thought would reach out to disclose how stressed they were overwhelmed and burnt out. And a lot of it usually had to do with feeling like they could, they were isolated or, or they couldn't approach their supervisors because of either the, the, the whole district environment or because of the supervisor, the actual mm-hmm. supervisor. How do you, I know you said you don't get into like, they're not being harassed. Mm-hmm. It's not abuse, but it's like probably like pretty close to the top of that threshold where, uh, and that is also one of the um, biggest reasons why teachers and administrators leave because of the, the, there's a saying, people don't leave jobs, they leave people or they leave managers. Mm-hmm. So how do you recommend or what can they do to communicate their needs? So it's a great question. So if you think about managing up being how you influence your relationship with your manager, one of the key words is like relationship. Relationships do not happen instantaneously, right? It happens over time. So, you know, I like to, I think um, there's another um, a coach out there who's a pretty um, renowned coach and his name is Tom Henschel. And he talks about thinking and viewing your, your boss as your greatest customer. And when you have that mindset about thinking about your boss as about being your greatest customer, what is it that you do with your best customers? Well, number one, you build, make a connection. You find out about them. You get to know their personality. Start with that, right? We all have one. Uh, some personalities are far easier to get along with than others. Some personalities we connect with pretty quickly. Others, it takes a little bit longer to do. But thinking about your, you know, the personality, getting to know kind of what their makeup is. And personalities are pretty constant. They don't often change. And that does not mean that we don't have the capacity to change. We certainly do. But most people, you know, their their preferences really remain the same. Like, are they an introvert versus an extrovert? Are they more, do they base decisions more on intuition versus their senses? Are they more kind of in their head or, or do they kind of, you know, uh, are decisions made through their heart? Um, so if we think about the different elements of personality, um, you know, what is it about their personality and how can I use that information about my manager? You know, another area to look at is what is their work style, right? Are they executors? Are they the kind of person that like absolutely gets stuff done? 
Or are they more influencers? You know, they kind of build a team. They kind of speak, you know, for the group. Are they more relational, right? Do they kind of, um, you know, work more through the heart? Or are they more strategic thinkers, right? Are they more researchers? And it doesn't mean that they're just one, but where do they lean towards? Um, what's their leadership style? You know, are they more transformational? Are they more transactional? Are they more autocratic? Are they the top down, you know, mm-hmm. leadership? Uh, do they embody those kinds of qualities? Um, and then what things, these, these are some really good questions to be thinking about. What does my manager do really well? What do I admire about what they do? What are their strengths? Um, what are the things that are not necessarily their shtick, right? Cause mm-hmm. for all of us, there's things that we do really well and there's absolutely things that we don't do well. And what are the things that are not in their wheelhouse? Um, and certainly, you know, thinking about what are their pressures? Um, what are the things that keep your boss up at night? What are their greatest challenges? And so I actually, when I'm, you know, talking with folks, I give people this checklist and I'll I'll send it to you if you can make that available to folks, but it's like 20 questions about your boss. And so when I say all these different like elements, like a personality, work style, um, leadership style, strengths, weaknesses, pressures, blind spots, all those things, that does not mean that you should know that in a nanosecond. Those are going to be things that you should be thinking about, learning about, asking about over time. So the reason why I'm emphasizing this is that when you build a relationship and a connection with someone, when things get tough and hard, it's going to be easier to have those types of conversations or it's going to help you navigate how you can best have that conversation with that person, right? Because some people you can open the door and have an open conversation. Mm -hmm. Many, many folks have encountered either colleagues, managers, uh, supervisors, that they can have really hard conversations quite easily. And then there are other folks that you have to package that a little bit differently. And so the more you get to know your manager and what their preferences are and how they like to receive information, the better you can kind of strategize, how can I share this and at what level? It may mean that I'm not going to spill my guts here. Yeah, I'm going to give enough information for my manager to know what's up Mm -hmm. and, and be clear about what I need. But I'm not going to kind of like, you know, spill everything. Right. That's really, I mean, that's profound <laughs> to be, to be honest, just to think of it in that way. Um, and I know that can be hard, you know, to anybody listening, if, if you're in a space where, because if you're in a space where you feel like you can't approach your boss, but I think all of the things that you just mentioned, Jackie are together are such a great way to think about it. It's almost as if like, I mean, not what can I do for my boss, but like I deserve to have a good experience at work. Right. Mm -hmm. And I may not be able to control 
what the, I might not be able to control a lot of things. Mm -hmm. However, I can do this one thing, which is try to understand at least, like you said, the working style, the personality, all the different aspects of this person who's Mm -hmm. responsible, who's, who's managing me so that when I do need something, I can approach it in a way that I can communicate and try to understand as much as possible. I've never thought about it that way. Hmm. And I bet just doing that would, will make it easier for people. It takes time, right? Relationships take time. So it's not like we could do this overnight, but mm-hmm. to start to shift our thinking about our managers in that way may actually make it easier to navigate the conversation so that ultimately our needs are met, right? Cause that's like you said, we are responsible for ourselves and we are, we need to take care of ourselves and we mm-hmm. can only control what we can control. So to start really thinking about it through that lens, I think that's what that does. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, I want to close out with something that you've mentioned to me before, and I've never thought of it this way. And it, when we talked about it the last time you and I spoke, it was kind of mind blowing for me. And the, it's about, you mentioned something called job crafting. So the way I'm mm. going to frame it to you is you know, you're a certified professional life coach and you're great at what you do because I, I can attest to that personally. My question is how can teachers and school leaders improve their job satisfaction, especially during such challenging times for schools? Wow. So there's this, um, Japanese philosophy, it's called Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And it takes these four elements. And so I can't, I can't, I did not invent this. I didn't create (laughs) it, but I love the way that they lay it out because it really resonated for me. And what it speaks to is, you know, these, there are these four areas. And one of them is knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, and knowing what you bring to the table. And as a career coach, one of the things that I find so compelling is that so many people don't know how to speak to or articulate their strengths. And this is not about the need to be humble or modest because knowing who you are is really it's an important it's an it's an important area because in order to be able to be satisfied and to get yourself into situations that will make you more fulfilled you ha- it really starts with knowing yourself so knowing what you bring to the table what are your strengths cuz you we all have them we are all gifted and talented the next thing is um what is it that I'm interested in? Like what interests me, you know? So clearly, you know, for you, Michaela, it's that you clearly know that, um, you know, working in coaching teachers, working with youth, being in that education realm, all those things really interest you and you're really good at it. Uh, so really not only knowing what you're good at, but what interests you, what energizes you, what kind of like gives you that joy. The other piece is that we all want to contribute, right? We all want to contribute to the betterment of X, whether it's 
a certain group of people, whether it's to um, a community, whether it's to, you know, any social, you know, issue or whatnot. So knowing that what we're doing has a value and a benefit and it contributes to the betterment of whoever it is that we're serving. That's kind of like the third leg. That's like the third ingredient. And then the fourth, fourth thing is if we can get paid for it. Ah, like that's the magic, right? Do what you love, do what you're good at. It has a benefit and value to whoever it is that is your audience and get paid for that. Like that's the secret sauce. That's the magic. So when you speak to job crafting, it's really thinking about how do I take my current role? You know, obviously our job is we're evaluated on making sure that we perform our essential functions to the best that we can. And how do we, you know, and in my book, I call it jackifying, right? So jackifying <laughs> is like kind of injecting Jackie into mm-hmm. everything that I do, because if I can't create my role in a way that like speaks to me, that makes me feel good, that gives me joy, that, that makes it fun and lively for me, it's not going to be fulfilling. So job crafting is really looking at injecting those elements, whether it's by the the roles that we're, the responsibilities that we're taking on, whether it's by improving and creating relationships, um, or whether it's also kind of challenging our mindset about the actual work that we're doing, that we're putting a different twist on things, right? That's something that we might do that might feel so mundane and monotonous. Mm-hmm. Who is it serving? Who is it benefiting? Who's, you know, um, what, what value is coming out of that particular action that I'm taking? So, um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about our career development. It surprises me. I guess it mm. shouldn't anymore, but it does surprise me how we, we invest a lot in our education. We invest in a, a lot of certi- you know, certifications and, and licenses. It, it's also important that we take the time to really allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to really say, is this what I want to do? Is this where I want to be? And that's why they've actually coined it the great resignation. We are experiencing people resigning from positions like more than ever before because, you know, COVID has really allowed an opportunity that people are, again, reflecting on how do I want to live? How do I want to contribute? Um, you know, what are the things that sustain me? And so it's, it's kind of cool you know, in a way that people are really making these pretty grand decisions around where they want to be. And so that's really, I think, the ingredients. And and it is, the other thing I want to say is that it is okay that if something is not a fit to, to, you know, to be okay with that, we don't have to master every role that we're in or you know, it could be a culture fit within the organization. It could be a real crummy relationship with your boss. Like maybe it's not an abusive relationship per yep. se, but it's like, it's not a good one. 
It's not a healthy one. It's not, it's not someone that I want to work for and I want to invest that time yeah. to uncover all the things I was just talking about earlier. Um, and to say, you know, this isn't a fit. I, I need to look elsewhere. That's okay too. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, here I am, you know, with an entire mission to keep educators and school leaders in their roles. <laughs> and I'm like, but I left. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, when, when something is not realizing something's not a fit and sometimes it can take a really long time to accept it. Um, but there's power in it too, because then you let yourself sometimes with the help of coach Jackie. Um, but when you're, you don't know where to even begin, to explore, take those steps to exploring to see if, you know, maybe, maybe life, maybe something is taking you away from that specific role. And that's okay. Um, because it's better to find peace and like, and happiness. And if you can pay your bills in something that you're feeling good in versus staying miserable, just for the sake of, of staying miserable, just, or just for the sake of staying in a role that Mm -hmm. you think you're expected to stay in, which I, I have a feeling it's probably a lot of school leaders because especially if they're younger. Well, actually, no, this is, that's not true. There are a lot who are close to retirement who have to stay in because they need to stay in the state pension system and they don't, they can't, there's no way they can step out, which is Mm -hmm. where I think, you know, a lot of this could be really helpful in reframing the thinking because when you feel stuck the, the bad feelings are like exacerbated and feel even worse. So if there are ways to get yourself unstuck, but within or dislodged, but within that same role mm-hmm. that you need to be in for a, a little while, um, then that's really helpful. So Jackie, one last thing before yes. uh, we're done, where can people find you? So you can go to coach That's my website. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can email me at Jackie at coach And, um, my book is actually on Amazon. It's called manage up the ultimate guide to managing your manager. It's a quick read. Um, mm-hmm. but if you go on Amazon and you just search manage up Ross, R O S S, you'll find it. It's a red book. It's pretty vibrant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'd be happy to field any questions. Folks are welcome to reach out. Um, I do offer an initial discovery session just to troubleshoot what's, which was what so you're... powerful for me. Awesome. Yeah. It's really an opportunity just to, um, start to hone in on what some of the issues are. And, you know, I share what my, what I can and cannot do. Um, I certainly don't have the magic wand to, to, um, you know, kind of place you where you're looking to go. But what I really do is, uh, facilitate a process, uh, to help you start to uncover and talk about some of the things that you might not have thought of, or that you actually say out loud for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. I know that this is going to be really valuable to everybody who listens, just like it's been valuable to me. And also thank you for doing this because now I've had another chance to really go through it with you. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Wow. What an episode with Coach Jackie. There's so much there to take away. I wrote down some notes on what she talked about specifically during the episode because it is a long one, but it's a really important one and also could be a really transformative one depending on 
where you're at in your journey right now. I thought it was really important when she said that, you know, we need to consider how do I want to live? What do I want my life to be? And that those are a lot of the questions that, you know, we're asking ourselves right now, kind of post pandemic after going through the last year and a half. I also thought that the way she advised dealing with a feeling of overwhelm was something that I was really, really helpful. So she said, again, just to recap it, to acknowledge it, uh, to create distance while you're in it. So like physically closing your phone, deleting or disabling the email app on your phone. Um, maybe you're leaving school at school, whatever you're doing to recharge and reconnect, um, move, do meditation, listen to music, get back to your center. She also said we need to be patient with ourselves, which I know is probably one of the, well, for me, it's one of the hardest things to do, um, but to be patient with ourselves and allow us the time to go through it. Check in with our support system and remember that we are resilient. That really, really resonated with me that we do come back, we do bounce back and we will bounce back because sometimes I think it can feel like it's never going to end the overwhelming feeling. And I thought also um, her advice on how to communicate needs with your boss, especially if you are in a career or job, and I think education falls into this a lot, where you don't necessarily feel like you can completely confide in your supervisor. Now, of course, not every place is like that. I've been very, very lucky to have people that I can confide in. However... We need to look at how do we improve our relationships with our bosses and how do we view them? Finally, when we're in a job, how do we make sure, like how do we create job satisfaction? And she talks about four things to do, like know our strengths, know what we're interested in, find ways to contribute, and then make sure that we're doing things that we're good at. So while we're in our job, create those opportunities for ourselves. And this idea that we're always developing our careers and it doesn't just stop when we get the degree or get the certification or get that, that first job, that we're always developing our career and asking ourselves again, where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? So with that, I hope you have a great week and we'll see you here next week on Tuesday. Take care.